0: The offers in this interview have now ended and are no longer available.
1: One constant in my life throughout my adult life, if you like, has been Arsenal Football Club. I guess if we take family out of this and personal life, then it, it probably the biggest, the biggest thing in my life.
0: It's Lee Dixon here! It's firstly goal for
1: Arsenal! It's almost like he's playing FIFA. He goes through and puts the ball in the back of the net, brilliant.
0: Hello to all Club Talk users at Sportsbet.io and welcome to a very special end of year edition of Behind the Bet with a very special guest. My name is Gavin from Clubhouse Radio. It's very good to have you along uh, today, And I will be asking your questions to our guest today. You can still submit your questions and ask them on sportsbet.io and on the live stream as well. Five Club Talkers will win a 0.5 million Bitcoin free bet if your question is considered to be one of the best asked today. And also there's a chance for you to win a 0.5 million Bitcoin free bet later on with Lee's pick. So let me introduce our guest in the list of most appearances made for Arsenal, including all games that he played for the Gunners. Uh, Having made 621 appearances in total, uh, he is joint third in the most appearances for Arsenal. He's 14 years at Highbury. And our guest has answered one of the most important questions in football. Can he do it on a cold, wet, windy night in Stoke? Well, the answer is yes, because of his performances at Stoke. That is where Arsenal signed him from. Uh, Please welcome our guest, Lee Dixon.
1: How are you doing?
0: How are you doing, Lee? Well. Yeah, I didn't recognise myself with all those pitches before scoring goals and what have you. I couldn't believe you—you you dug those out from somewhere. Uh, there is one goal that we did miss out from that montage, which we may talk about. It's one of the goals you're most famous for against Coventry. I think you already know the one we're talking about. Is that just no, escape? Don't don't remember that one. Don't no. Really okay. About. Um are are you are you well?
1: Yeah, all well, good. Yeah, we um still, as you know, football stops for no man. And, uh, so at broadcasting, um, going to games, obviously going through all the protocols, trying to stay, uh, COVID free. Um, and which is in itself is, it's, it's doable, but it's, it's an effort and you have to go through, make sure you're doing the same things every day and testing, you know, a lot, uh, a lot of lateral flow testing, a lot of PCR testing, and just trying to stay safe and, uh, and keep, Keep the juggernaut that is Premier League football um going and uh it's fun as well. You know, we it's it's so much better now we've got fans back in the stadium. Let's hope yeah that we can keep them there um and everybody stays safe and does the right thing, then hopefully we'll we'll be okay with that.
0: Completely agree. Um I'm gonna start not by asking uh, a, a few questions, I'm gonna start by just coming up with a few facts and you can say true or false. So <laughs> you joined you joined Arsenal. And you spent 14 years at Arsenal, playing correct. over 600 appearances, making over 600 appearances for them in all competitions. You're a, you know, uh, first division Premier League. Um, you won Man of the Match on your debut for Arsenal. Yeah. But then never won it since. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> that's that's my memory, yeah. I did win it against Luton, first game that I played Um and I don't remember winning it again. I won the odd, I think I might have won the odd pre-season friendly Man of the Match, but I was kind of a 7 out of 10. That's why I prided myself on making sure I was above 6 and didn't get above 8 very often, but I was in that, you know. So yeah. I didn't I didn't catch the eye as much as some of the, some of the forwards. I mean, when Wrighty's on the pitch or Thierry Henry or Dennis, you're not going to get Man of the Match very often, are you?
0: <laughs> I'm going to get on to some of the players that you played with because you played alongside, for me personally, uh, one of the best footballers I've ever seen live as well. And I'm going to talk about that later mm-hmm. on. Um, wow. uh, but, uh, not not <laughs> Nigel Winterburn, of course. Um, <laughs> so, um, fact number two: when you retired, you had at that point played at 91 of 92 league grounds. Is that true? Or is that false? I read that as well it's it's correct now if we ask that as a pub quiz question and ask people to kind of suggest or answer which ground it is i don't think they would ever get it because you're thinking surely you have played at that ground and your paths must have crossed but to my knowledge that ground is do you want me to tell you
1: yeah oh right i thought you were going to do it as a quiz um no is is fulham and uh a couple of things regarding that we played um i never played against fulham when i was away from arsenal before i got there and i think the two times we were in the premier league that we played them i was injured once and i think and i didn't get suspended very often because i managed to get all the referees on my side and pretend I was a nice bloke um i would by the way i wouldn't last five minutes in today's game i'd be off every week but that's another (laughs) story um and I, and I was suspended for the other game. So the two games we played at Craven Cottage. And then the other irony of it was I've moved house now, but I used to live in Barnes and I used to be virtual. I could hear the crowd at Craven Cottage when there was a night game on from my house. And I was that close to there, but I'd never played there. So, yeah, 91, 91 and, and counting and that 92 never came.
0: There you go, and also you are one of few footballers to win three league titles in three different decades. Do you know that as well?
1: Yeah, I did know that. Um, because Tony Adams uh shoves it down my throat every time I see him because he's he's one of only a handful, if not, so I think there's one or two of them who've have won as captain three uh, league titles in different decades, and I wasn't the captain, so but he's obviously. He boasts about that one getting getting beyond me on that one. So I, and the other ones are because of the longevity of Liverpool's success in the in the seventies, eighties, and early nineties. Um I think there's a few Liverpool um players as well. And I'm not sure Ryan Giggs might be one of them as well. I can't remember, but Alan Hansen and a couple of others for Liverpool. So yeah, there's not many, which not many. You know, I think that's you know, a testament to how I stayed out of uh, stayed out of trouble injury wise, but also that seven out of 10 every week does you the world of good. You know, you think, oh, he's only got seven. But well, if you churn it out every week, people forget you're there for, for for ages. And all of a sudden they go, is he still playing? And it's one of them. So I just <laughs> kind of said, I, it, was, it was like, you know, when you're a kid and you're growing up and you you get to that time and it's sort of 11, 12 years of age and it's a Sunday night and you're all watching the telly with your family. And your dad goes like that to his watch and goes, "Time for bed because you got school tomorrow." And you sit on the sofa and you don't say anything for ages and don't make it. Then hoping they forget you there. That's what I was like at Arsenal.
0: You see, the thing is, you you haven't just won winning a, a football league title, whether it be first division in the late eighties as you did, or a Premier League title. Um, it's an amazing achievement to win a league title. Um, but some teams do it with four games, three games spare. So you can kind of save the final few games. They're kind of pressure free. But that was not really how you won titles at Arsenal. They, they, You, you won the title uh, in some real titanic must-win games. Um, I'm going to get to the Liverpool one next. But of course, you also were part of the team that won it at Old Trafford, having to go to Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson against Arsene Wenger. We know the battle that they had, uh, and you had to go and win there. And uh, you came on as a as a sub and had a bit of a square up with the goalkeeper. I remember towards the end of the game as well. Um, but you've you, you've gone to some really tough places in must win games against your fellow title challengers and still got the job done.
1: Yeah, and I think you know you'd love to from a from a stress point of view, you'd love to have it done um, with games to to go. And we and we did win the title um with games to go in uh i'm just trying to think in in 98 but in 98 we'd chase man united down we'd done all the work you know we were i don't know what nine points behind them and we had three games in hand of whatever it was and we chased them down they were i think they were 13 points ahead of us or 12 points ahead or something like that so the work was done sort of in march april and then by the time we got to may we'd We'd had a brilliant run, won thirteen games on the trot. So that, and then the last three games, we were we were kind of cruising. We won at Everton at home, with that you know the famous Tony Adams goal and the the big statue and all that lot. So yeah, that was stressful leading up to it. The last few games were okay. We were drunk basically, so we, well, we didn't do we didn't do too well in those. Games. <laughs> Remember going to Anfield, you know, after we'd won the league and. Uh, we were a bit worse for wear and it was a night game and i i i, I was saying to steve McManaman, you know take it easy you know lads and we saw so, yeah the beat is 4-0 it could have been flipping 10. um and we were really struggling a little bit but uh, all the work had been done previously so um yeah it was it was it was nice to win. it's nice to win it with games to go but it doesn't happen very often
0: yeah, but then they, they, people in years gone by don't reflect on winning a title uh, with, you know, uh, four or five games to go as much as they do in a must win game at Anfield in the late 80s, of which I'm going to take you back to and just yeah. um, get your perspectives of it because you played a very important part, not just in winning that game, but of the goal as well. Because John Barnes. Uh, for people who don't know, um, Arsenal won the title on goals scored that season. It was it was pre-Premier League. It was first division. You had to go to Liverpool and win. It was between Liverpool and Arsenal. Liverpool had won their last nine games at home, scoring 24, conceding two. They yeah. were an absolute machine at Anfield and Arsenal had to go there and win 2-0 or by two clear goals. Yeah, You were 1-0 up in the 89th minute when John Barnes runs into the corner but then decides to... Uh, 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 to give it away, the ball is passed back to the goalkeeper at a time when they could then pick it up, and it's John Lukic, the legend that is John Lukic, bowls the ball out to you. Talk us through what happened then. Well, I, I just
1: previous to that, Kevin Richardson had gone down injured with cramp, and he and I asked the referee at that point how long to go, and he just he looked at him and he said it's over, and I was like, oh. so, and they basically. They took a free kick and knocked it in the corner. And as you said, John Barnes got the ball. Any other player, probably in any other team, would have just took it to the corner flag and it was all over. Um, But because Liverpool are Liverpool and they just can't help themselves wanting to score goals, they were such a brilliant team. They were far better than us as a football team. We were a load of kids scrapping around you know, the newbies on the block and we took them by surprise a little bit. on that night, but when the ball got rolled back to John, I just I had the referee in my mind going, it's over, it's over. So I thought there's no point me going short for the ball, I'll just run up the pitch. So I started running up the pitch like everybody else. And I could hear John shouting to me. And I was like, I was looking over my shoulder, going, Don't throw it to me. I think most of my teammates were shouting the same, don't throw it to Dicko. And I was and he threw me the blooming ball, and I was like. So all I'm going to do is what he should have done was lump it. So I, I get the ball out of my feet and I look up and uh, Alan Smith's coming towards me, which you would normally do into the channel to show for the ball. And I was like, we need th- referee, referee, just saying it's over, it's over. So I thought I've, I didn't have any other ball on. There was no ball on apart from hitting Alan. So I just thought, please don't shank it into the stand. And the funny thing was, and I, I've only just started telling this bit of the story because it fascinates me about the pitches these days, how brilliant they are, and, how, and towards the end of my career, it were all carpets. It was fantastic, but Anfield was wasn't the best, and at, in the late nineties, and it was a bit bobbly. And as the ball, as I put the ball into my feet, and I looked up and I saw Ireland, As I looked down, I could see the ball rolling towards a massive big divot just just behind the ball. And if you if you watch it carefully, people have probably watched it a million times, but if you see my, my stride pattern, it shortens really quick. I go, it should be one, two, three, kick it. And I sort of go one, two, oh, and I see this bubble and I go, it's gonna hit the bobble as I get there. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get there a bit quicker. So I my little my little feet sort of go and then I hit it and i missed it by you know it was he was bound for the middle of the stand and luckily went to Alan and um, and obviously he had a, a a velvet touch, as I always describe it, brought it down and the one ball he had was to flick it inside for Michael because he just decided, you know what, I'll make a run and a little bit of a ricochet um, and off Stevie Nicholl and then before you know it, he's threw on goal and he'd missed one, you know, 20 minutes before that to go 2-0 up and I think if he would have gone 2-0 up, with 20 minutes to go we probably would have lost it because Liverpool would have got angry and scored and they played a very very defensive nervous game that night and Liverpool if it had been if it had had to be whoever wins takes the title that I think they probably would have beat us but the fact that they had a two-goal lead it kind of put them on a you know what even if they score one we'll still win so they were a bit nervous and when Michael's going through if you ever wanted to fall to anybody who's got no nerves whatsoever, he didn't get nervous. He was the most laid back player you've ever seen in your life. And he just, as he was going through, I just, I was watching him from 40, 50 yards away and I could see his little number four running through the middle of the pitch. And I was going, he seemed to be running for a long time. When, when is he going to shoot? He was like, go on then. And, and when you see how close Houghton gets to, ray houghton to, to kicking it away his foot is literally at the same point as he just dinks it over grobbler and you know all hell let loose then and i burst out crying on the pitch as it went in the net i just started crying because i knew the emotion of it all was just so hyped up and it hillsborough played played its part as well obviously it was a very emotional start to the game with handing the flowers out and all of that sort of stuff so it was a big it was a big night for everybody. And to to end it like that, I I just couldn't control myself. So I I start, you know, me and Righty were the biggest cries in the club. If anything happened emotionally, we both (laughs) of us looking at each other with tears running down our eyes, going, giving each other a big hug. So it was, yeah, it was one heck of a night.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and one of the, I mean, the tightest of title wins, probably in the history of football as well. Uh, and thank the Lord that you didn't shank it. Otherwise, you know, that's, uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Well, you'd probably um,
1: still be talking about it, but for
0: different probably, reasons. Yeah. You wouldn't be, in it, you, put, you would not be enjoying the conversation as much as this one. Put it that no, way, if also, we were talking about your shank. Also, I wouldn't have that poster in the background either. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly eighty nine, the year of the Shank. Uh, you are watching uh, behind the bet uh, with Lee Dixon at sportsbet.io. right. Let's. It's time to ask your questions to Lee. Wow. Right, I don't know what's coming your way. You clearly don't know what's coming your way. Uh, five Club Talkers will win a 05 millibit comfy bet if your question is considered to be one of the best five. Question from Hakan2217. Uh, most kids dream of being a star striker or at least an offensive player. Did you start football as a defender and were you happy to be a defender?
1: No. Um, Hakan, I started as a striker uh, for my Sunday team. I used to play... Inside forward number eight, and I—if I didn't get five goals every weekend, there was something wrong. I played in a brilliant Sunday league team up in Macclesfield called Priory County, and I scored two, three, four, five goals every weekend. We uh, we beat everybody, we won everything, and I was a striker, and I and I love scoring goals. I would never go over the halfway line back towards my own goal, and you know, as I got a little bit older. Um, I then moved to the right. I was quite quick. So I moved to the right wing and then I started having a few trials for Bolton uh, schoolboys and Berry schoolboys and around the Manchester area where I'm from. And every time I went for a trial or I was trained, I always got pushed into midfield. So I ended up right side of midfield. Um, and then I was, then I went to, where did I go? Then I went to Burnley and the left back was injured for a Burnley A-team and I was on kind of schoolboy forms and they said, can you play left back? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, never played left back in my life. I went, yeah, of course can. I, yeah, my left foot's brilliant. And any, any Arsenal fans out, out there will know that I'm lying now. So, and I was like, I'll go and play left back. And I played left back for the A-team against, I can't remember who. And the following week, the right back was injured and he said, you're going to play right back today. And I played right back and I was about six, 16, 17. And that was it. I never moved. I never moved again. I just, it was just one of those things. I, I end up by default ending up at right back. And and the funny thing is that it shows you how you change as, a, as, a, as an entity, as a footballer, is that if ever I got into the box, I was always an attacking fullback, but if ever I got in the box, like I was as a kid, A striker, and those instincts had completely all gone. I never knew where the goal was. I'd get the ball, I was like, "Where's the?" Sometimes I'd shoot, and it'd go near the corner flag. And writer used to look at me and go, "The goal's over there." And I was like, "No, I've lost my bearings." And so it's amazing how 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 your perception of the game changes
0: as you change position. Do you ever think about? how and where your footballing career would have gone had you not made that switch to defence and had the players the left back the right back stayed fit and you were still up front do you ever consider where your career might have taken you
1: barcelona and real madrid yeah, of course. you know obviously you know I was scoring five a week <laughs> you <know? laughs> it was very competitive up front uh, wherever i was at school no as as hakan said nobody really wanted to play fullback so it was probably safer for me to go back there
0: and, and get a game or two, as opposed to sitting on the bench, watching. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, thank you, Hakan, for your question. Another question, please, to Lee Dixon. A question from Tarzanua. What do you think of the current state of Arsenal? Uh, can he play for the Championship next season? I assume that, can he play? I, I assume that that is, can Arsenal have a go for the title next season, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, Um well it's a it's a work in progress as we know and it's good progress i think the club has moved a changed philosophy over the last uh, 18 months with the signings that they made you know being basically under 23 signings Arteta's giving the youngsters a, a chance the club are giving the youngsters a chance which i think is is great the the patience that's needed with a with um with a plan like that is from everybody, from the club, from the fans, from pundits, from all of us to to be patient with this. Because with youngsters, and you'll hear it a million times, and I'll probably, you know, and people go, well, why that is? Why do you get inconsistency with young players? Um, because a lot of, you know, when, you, when you're young and you're making your debuts and you're getting into a team, you don't know what you don't know. So a lot of the things that happen to begin with are all good things because you play without any fear, you just you know, you're playing this game and you're excited and you're getting the team and things start happening and everyone goes, oh, the brilliant. He's doing really well. So why would you get a consistency? Well, you might come, come up against a season pro if you're playing on the wing a week later and that season pro is like somebody come up against me when I was 35, 36. I'd kind of work out pretty quickly what I needed to do in order to stop him playing. And so the problems, the talented ones kind of work it out as they're going. But sometimes you get a bit stuck and the, your form goes because you're, being, you're not sure how to get out of, not only individual situations, but as a team, if you've got a lot of youngsters in, you might, need to, you might need to just go, right, five minutes, we need to sit in, we need to block a couple of passing lanes and stop this flow, and then we can go again. And because you don't know that as a team, you can sometimes try and play your way through it. You get beat confidence goes. So you do get ups and downs with young players until they learn what's right and wrong and how the game is managed and all of that sort of stuff. It's not just about beating a player, how many keepy-ups can you do, how skillful you are. You have to learn how to play football. And you you might say, well, you've been playing all your life, but you're you're always stepping up a level. You know, you played in the under-23s, that's one level, and you're the best player in the team. You put you in the first team and you'll be you know, still good, but you've, you're so far behind the pecking order then. You have to build yourself up and understand what it takes to play Premier League football week in, week out. We've seen it with uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, how good he was when he first got in, and then he had a little bit of a dip, and he was pulled out the team, and then he's back in. And so you've got to manage that all the time. And if you've got a team of 20, under-23-year-olds, they all need pulling out, you know, and pushing back in and did it. So it's a very complicated um management skills and arteta it's his first job so he's learning on 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 the go as well so can they chant chant uh, push for the championship yet next year not for me no it's going to be it's going to be a little bit longer than that but the signs are
0: good top 4 though because they you know yeah. they they could be the best of the rest as they call it you know uh liverpool chelsea man city the top 3 but there's no reason why arsenal can't compete for that final you know that top 4 place
1: no that's that's the aim and that's that's progress from where they finished last year There's still a long yeah. way to go and, and 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 this is what arsenal fans do because they've been had a relatively successful 20 odd years is they'll be going right top fours hours and if you and if you drop out of that it's oh everything's going wrong again you've still got to be patient and there's still a lot of good teams fighting for that and but the test is playing against the better teams and we've got one coming up against city and so that when you when you start to match those types of teams the liverpools the the man city's the chelsea's week in week out not just the one off game every time you come against a big gun you're matching them and you you know you're pushing them and testing them that's when you start going wow it's really sinking in
0: brilliant uh thank you for your question Tarzan. let's have another question to lee dixon behind the bed at sportsbed.io. question from martin l uh how was it to record commentary for fifa there you go
1: wow i can't tell you martin how what's the word i guess i'll throw difficult how difficult it is and how complex and complicated it is because As you know, if you play it, obviously you would do, otherwise you probably wouldn't ask the question. But until I did it, I I just thought it was, well, you're just going to read some lines and uh, record some lines and, uh, you know, it won't take that long. There's a whole game to do. uh, You do 15, about 15 full, and I'm talking 9 o'clock till 5 o'clock, days of recording to, to actually get your commentary into the game. Um, And then and then the following year, they're still using a lot of those lines, but you then do another 15 days to top it up. So it takes two or three years before you've got everything into the game. And then uh, and I don't do it anymore. I'm not I'm not on this year's because it was the, the the strain on your voice is it's it's incredible because. So I'm just trying to think of something. I'll just get a prop. So for a recording session, and we're talking, we do 15 of these, the scripts would be about that thick for one day. So, and the scripts come and it it gives you suggestions of of a scenario and it'll give you, right, this is scenario, a player, say we're doing goals. So a player goes in the box, right, right side of the penalty area, shoots with his right foot, he should hit the target, so you get an idea of where he is in the box. It's a cross shot to the keeper's right um, and it goes in the bottom corner. So you go, right. and then So you have to think of that scenario. So you read it and you go, right, I've got the scenario. And then they go, right. So you then commentate as if that's happening. And then underneath it, there'll be a thing that goes times 10. You have to do 10 of them on the trot, different. 10 different ones on the trot. And you're like, so so I used to take the scripts home the day before and I would write 10 scenarios and I'd write, right, okay, I've got to do this. You write 10 scenarios for that What That's one thing. And that takes five, well, it takes three or four minutes to do that. And then you move on to the next one. And the scripts are that big. It is absolutely brutal. But and because you're doing, and, and if you're doing goals, you have to be, nine out of ten intensity. So if you're talking as the players come out on the pitch, you would be low, you'd be two or three, you'd be going, and here we are in the semi-final of the Champions League and it's Arsenal V, whatever, and yeah, it's going to be, it's a balmy night in Madrid and da-da-da. So you're talking, you're doing goals and you've got to do ten on the on the trot just for that one shot. You have to be full on, you have to be, Anne! so your voice is like, honestly, I was in pieces. It was. I'm drinking like, Hot lemon and ginger, every five, you know, and my voice in the end um of year three was was wasn't really strong enough to actually do a recording or to do 15 days. So I had to I had to let it go, unfortunately. I loved doing it and it was hard, but the feedback you get from the likes of Martin and is incredible. You know, my daughter used to come home from work and, and her boyfriend would be playing it in the room and she'd open the door and she'd go, turn me dad off. <laughs> Cause you he, <laughs> can he hear me in the background going, oh, no, no.
0: <laughs> I think everybody who's just sat through the answer has just gone, wow, there's, there's far more to it than we initially thought that that's, that that's incredible. That it is, is absolutely inc- incredible.
1: I'm not giving any secrets away. That's how it's done. It's, it's an incredible wow. uh, thing. And I mean, the commentators have Or even worse because they have I don't do any names, I just do scenarios. So I don't ever say anybody's name. But obviously, in general, you know, play, you know, it'll be Urzel passing it to so the commentators have to do they they've got a night, they go in two hours before me, and he will do he will do two hours. Derek Ray, I did it with, he will do two hours of names and he'll have scripts like that with names in, and he'll go, right. They're doing Bayern Munich, or they're doing Real Madrid. So Ronaldo. So he will, he will have to say, he will have to say Ronaldo's name in probably twenty-five different ways. Because in the, in a game, you're going. If Ronaldo passes to Messi, say they're in the same team. He goes Ronaldo pass to Messi. So you said that in Ronaldo to Messi. But if he goes Ronaldo, he has to say it in a different way. Yeah. So and if it's group, Ronaldo's got a chance, oh, Ronaldo. So disappointed Ronaldo is like a happy Ronaldo. It's wow. mental. So he, he was that sitting is... there with his scripts and he'll be going like this. I'll go in early and I'll see him in the booth and he'll be going, Ronaldo, 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 Ronaldo. <laughs> it looks like he's gone mad. It's incredible. <laughs>
0: brilliant question martinell let's have yeah, another to lee dixon that's a good one question from slissy uh did you ever dream or see yourself as the manager of arsenal
1: most nights i have a dream about being a, a manager i have to say and no, that's not strictly true but in my dreams maybe but i i'd never really i went into tv as i was finishing football i was doing it before i finished but i always enjoyed the the process of analysing a game and talking about that. I was quite a big talker on the pitch. You know, I, I was always talking to Martin or Tony or whoever it was. Um, so I was quite analytical as a player. So I always saw TV as I really enjoyed it. And But then you kind of miss the boat a little bit if you don't go into coaching straight away. And And I didn't really fancy going in. I wanted a bit of time off. You know, I was there. I was a pro for 21 years, so, and I was at Arsenal for nearly 15. So it kind of I just needed a break. I just needed to uh, go. I didn't want the pressure of having to do my badges, having to, you know, going back into coaching and have the pressure of that. I needed a bit of a break from it. So TV was, I found, was suited me, and and I've been doing it ever since. So is there a bit of this? There's, there's a little bit of regret that I that I'm not more heavily involved in in the coaching side of it, but maybe that'll change. I, I do a bit of mentoring for some young fullbacks, which I enjoy, which is more about passing on information and asking them what they're thinking at different stages of the game and whether I can help them in that way. Quite enjoy that. Uh, but the pressure of being a manager, I think that's just too much for me to, be, to bear, to be honest with you
0: did you did you ever have the opportunity um just after you retired there may be a spell you know like 6 12 months after you've retired where people might be thinking there's there's a guy who's been there done it he's got a lot that he can he can offer to a football team did you ever get an opportunity quickly after retiring no <laughs> let's, let's move on. Next question to Lee Dixon. Then, uh, question from Govs Hi, Mr. Dixon. Very nice and polite. Yeah, uh, since you were commentating for NBC in the Champions League games, what will be the effect of football in the USA for European leagues?
1: Uh, I'm slightly confused about that because I didn't do Champions League commentary for NBC. Ah. I do commentate for NBC, but we do the Premier League, so most of my in fact probably 60% of my commentating work is is for NBC doing the Premier League over in America um
0: how but, is it received um, in America the, the, the English game as a whole is it something that's that's rapidly growing is there a huge yeah. interest
1: well we've had the we've had the rights now for nine years NBC and I started we started that broadcast after Fox we bought the rights of, of, of Fox um they had it before and NBC threw a a ton of money at, at, at the pro, the production of it and said, right, let's put a team together. And it's the, the viewing figures have gone through the roof. Um, they love it over there. There's, there's a massive big U S community. Um, and it's not just expats, you know, there's a growing audience and you don't grow an audience with expats over in, in, uh, in America because they're all watching it anyway. So you're growing and the new audience is, is American um, soccer lovers. You know, we, we, we broadcast uh, here, me, Graham Lasso and Arlo White um, do it together. And Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto are over in the studio. So it's all in English and, and Rebecca Lowe is a presenter. So it's kind of a, um, a majority English production. So we don't, you know, we don't, Americanize it it's an English game so we talk about it as if we would do to at home um and they love it you know we, it's like I'm, I love American football and I want to listen to the Americans talking about American football because I just presume they know what they're talking about they'd yeah. be mistaken if they presume I know what I'm talking about uh, over <laughs> in America well that's another thing. we we broadcast it as if we were broadcasting to to the UK and uh yeah it's really really popular. Uh, and you, it's, the MLS is separate, it's different. That's still big over there as far as you know the crowds are concerned, etc. And I know, obviously, Thierry Henry and a few of my ex-colleagues um, have been out and played out there um, and really enjoyed that process of being in, in the MLS. Um, but that's a separate entity. I think at the moment, the Premier League is growing in everywhere it goes, you know, at every continent, every country. The rights go through the roof every year, and you know can't can't be uh, can't be sustainable. But every year they they can
0: pay more for it because everybody wants it on their TV screen. It is a giant of a league; it really is. Right. Another question. Thank you, Lee. Here we go. Question from SK Master. Hi, Mister Dixon. Very polite again. I like it. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what your feelings were on the 500th appearance for Arsenal?
1: Yeah, I I do remember because um it was the same as my first. It was it was and the second was the same as the first and the five hundredth. I, I always had this um I I I always felt as if I was I'd won a, a competition and when I left Stoke and then it was I was a competition winner. I was going to go to Arsenal for a couple of weeks, and that was my prize. And then I'd come back to Stoke and carry on playing because the the first division, as it was then, obviously now the Premier League, it always seemed like it was a step too far for me. I thought I'm never going to play. You know, Stoke's. I'm I'm okay at Stoke. I'm a good I'm a good championship player. I think that's about right. I never saw myself. I always wanted to push myself, but. I always had this thing going, that's that's really, really good if you get to there. And so I didn't have it as a goal. I just wanted to churn out every game as it come for Stoke and be the best I can. And then when I signed for Stoke, my first game against Luton, it was like, I, I can't even explain how proud and how amazed I was that I was actually playing. And I I think what kept me going for all for 619 games was... I kept thinking that someone was gonna come up to me and go, Lee, you've got you've got to go now. Do, <laughs> you you out. one of them. So <laughs> yeah. five hundred. When I got to five hundred, I was like, Wow, I've 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 been very lucky. Let's see if I can get to five hundred and one. You know, so I had always had that yeah. attitude
0: in my mind. So very proud really. Um, and you, you gave that answer, which is a great answer. And many people won't probably realise that initially you said no to Arsenal when they wanted to sign you
1: yeah you know what you just gotta just, just... you met at a service thing.
0: station on a motorway is this correct you met at a service station in the motorway and the money wasn't kind of what you thought it would be well, it, it so wasn't,
1: it, it wasn't what i thought it should be I, i'd asked mick mills on the way down there because i had been signed i, I asked uh, sorry stoke had offered me a new con i was on 350 pound a week at stoke and they said to me, they knew that they knew Arsenal were after me. So they wanted to tie me into a longer contract in case they did I had a year left and it was a bit different then, you know, the rules and regulations. So they offered me £500 a week to sign a new contract. So I thought, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sign it. And then obviously the deal for Arsenal came in. So on the way down there, I said to Mick Mills in the car, who's my manager at Stoke, I said, what sort of money do you think george mr graham as i called him will offer me and he said oh well it's the first you know it's the first division it, you will get a thousand pound a week without even thinking about it so i had this wow that's amazing a thousand pound a week so when george got in the we got in the car in his dame the sovereign in the car park at watford gap services very salubrious you know yeah. um i sat in the car and he had his he had his blazer on with Arsenal badge, his tie, Chris White shirt. He looked a million dollars and I was a nervous little kid and I was so scared and he just went, right, we're going to build a team around young hungry players like yourself. I'm going to get rid of all the older players and we're going to do this and do that. And I was like, I mean, where, where do I sign? And then, I, and then he starts to get out of the car and I was like, oh, but do we need to talk about, you know, I've got to bring my family down. I've got to sell my house. London's very expensive what sort of money so i in my head i've got a thousand pound a week George turned around to me and he goes um yeah good good point um i'll we'll give you 500 pound a week and i sort of went but i'm getting 500 at stoke and i've got to sell my house and get a bigger house or you know and he went oh are you are you governed by money then and i went no no i i and I didn't have an agent. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like thousand pound a week. Mick Mill said. So he said, well, what do you want then? And I said, <laughs> it took me about five minutes to get the words out. Of my I just went a thousand pound a week. And he just looked at me as if I was a piece of dog muck on his shoe. And he just went, got you all wrong. And he got out of the car and that was it. Deal. We drove back to Stoke. I cried my eyes out like I do all the way home to Stoke and uh, Mick Mills said, you've blown it. I said, no, you've blown it. You told me to ask. <laughs> anyway, I phoned him up the next night and I said, look, can I come down and see you? Cause I made a mistake. And he goes, yeah, you have made a mistake. So I went down and George got me in his office and he said, tell you what, because you've been a bit ballsy, <laughs> I'll give you seven fifty a week. And I went, "Done. where do I sign? So I, I, I you know, I, maybe I should have been an agent. You never know.
0: It worked. It worked. Uh, the interesting thing, of course, is that meeting took place at Highbury, and when you go to Highbury, it's yeah. slightly different from the salubrious sound, uh, surroundings of Watford Gap. So that 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 play a massive part of you, of course. Right, let's get through some uh, rapid fire questions. Let's see what we've got. Question from Chatla Callie: In these years, when the contribution of the defensive players to the attack is at a high level, what do you think is? Uh, who do you think is the best defender playing in the Premier League right now? Best I'm gonna I'm, I'm go. I'm gonna write down who I think you're gonna say, and then you can give the answer to see if I'm right.
1: Are you talking just generic defender? I guess the same.
0: Just who and do it, you think is the best if playing defender playing in the Premier League right now? I guess it's um, you know with the contribution of defensive players to the attack at high level. I guess it's an attack-minded defender. Well, in in
1: in that respect, then you're you know the 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 full, the long answer to this is the fullback position is obviously changed dramatically so you can't you can't uh compare how i played the game to how alexander trent alexander arnold plays it because he he's got a license to play in a different way than i played if i you know if I was given, if I didn't have to defend like he doesn't have to, <laughs> then I, then I would have played in a lot of similar positions. He's <laughs> a far better footballer than I was. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the, there is a, a drastic. I think the best defender in the Premier League right now is is Van Dyke. Well, I don't think I don't oh. think he's any.
0: I put Trent. I put Trent Alexander Arnold. Don't you can see that? Look at that. You can see that. Yeah, That's yeah. what I thought you were going to go for.
1: No, no. I mean,
0: he's not. D-
1: he says best defender playing in the Premier League. He's not the best defender playing in the Premier League. He's yeah. a he's a footballer playing with a defensive number on his back. That's about as far as it goes. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a massive fan, but he's not he's not a particularly good defender. So he he doesn't come into Van Dijk's by far the best centre half, defensive minded player, um, because of all of his you know, all of his attributes, you know, athletic reads the game. Did it. But I think from a I think, and he's slightly gone over the top uh now, but Aspila Cueta from a defensive mentality point of view, positionally is an excellent reader of the game. And I think a few years ago he was he was right up there. But I do like yeah. um I do like James at Chelsea. I think he's gonna be a very, very good player. He is now, but he's gonna get Better and better. Better. Yeah. Right, a better another co- intent,
0: but not as yeah. good going forward. Uh a couple of questions coming your way. Let's have a question one. Question from Sanjeev. Hi, Mr. Dixon. Again. Very polite. Like it. According to you, who is the player or a position that Arsenal should target in this upcoming transfer window? Oh, good cool question.
1: <laughs> well, there's no uh there's no doubt that they're going to need strikers. And I I think it's more than one because we don't know what's happened with Lacazette. Um, uh, With Martinelli, I'm a big fan of, but he's, you know, to carry a a season, he's got injury issues to carry a season on his own. Won't happen. So, uh, and we all, you know, it's been well documented about Obama Yang's position. Um, I don't think he'll be here. So they need strikers what level of strikers are you going to get because you're not at top level so you're going to go you're going to have to drop down to uh a certain level that can attract a player of i mean i'm a big fan of um calvert lewin I, I think he would suit arsenal down to the ground and he's without due respect to him he's not you know he's not a, a harland or a all the top teams are going to be going for that type of player i think we could you know Calvert-Lewin, we could do worse than, than getting him. I think he would suit Arsenal's style of play. He's athletic, he gets around the pitch, he makes runs, he puts himself about, he's good in the air, he's good with his feet, plays for England. What more do you want?
0: Yeah, and young, so he's only going to get better and better and better as well. Yes. Uh, good question, thank you. Right, another question. Let's uh, let's get through a couple of these. Question from Actuania. Hello, Mr Dixon, or hello, Dixon. Hello, Dixon. Hello, uh, Dixon. Who is your favourite? <laughs> hello, Dixon. Who is your favourite right-back at the moment?
1: Um, ah, oh, who's my favourite right back of the mood or I mean, I love watching Trent play. You know, I love watching his delivery of the ball, but I'm I'm quite old school, so I get annoyed a little bit with his positional play because it's not what I would do. So it's very difficult to compare him with me because we're totally different and different eras and everything. So, uh, but I do like. So I like to watch him pay. I think James at Chelsea is, is probably all round, I would say. He's probably my favourite at the moment. Tommy Asu, by the way, is give him some time yeah. because uh, he's got all the attributes to be still, you know, he's well, if you say at the moment, I'd probably say that he's my favourite at the moment, but I'd like to get hold of him and have a chat with him a little bit about stuff.
0: See, there is, a, there is a place in coaching. There is a somewhere. place, yeah. See? yeah. Hey, there is a place. Right, let's get one more question, quick fire. Let's have a go. Uh, here we go. A question from uh, Joe Meek. Hey, Mr. Dixon, would you have preferred to have VAR available, oh, good question, back in your days, or do you think that it was better without? Very big fan of yours, by the way. That's a good question to end this segment on. That's very good. Yeah,
1: good question. Um, no, I would have hated
0: it because the – the thought of us all putting
1: our arm up at the same time in a line and then VAR saying, no, you're all wrong, was, <laughs> yeah
0: a nightmare. So Can I'm you imagine sad- what George Graham would have done to you on that? If you'd have stuck all have your been- hands up? Yeah, we wouldn't have won anything if we'd have had VAR.
1: <laughs> I, <wouldn't it? laughs> because we, I, I'm telling you something now, we used to intimidate the linesmen to putting flags up. I'm telling you, we used to say that the thing that we used to do at Highbury especially. It was my job and Nigel's job to get the linesman in our in our favour. And the way you do that is we used to first five ten minutes, every single ball that went over the top, it was my job to. We all put our arms up for offside, but it was my job to shout at the linesman and go, "He's offside!" as as loud as I come. "He's off, You've missed another one! He's off!" and intimidate him because what what would happen? The first couple, they'd go like that no you're not you know it's like and then he'd start to question himself and then the next one that you get that's close he'd put his flag on even if it wasn't offside so we kind of put him in a position where he would ha- absolutely be on our side by the end of the half
0: brilliant uh, what a great question some great questions in there uh we'll yeah, find maybe. out soon and i'll find out soon who has won the 0.5 million Bitcoin free bet uh because we've had a number of questions we'll pick out the best five we'll let you know who's uh Who's won the free bet? But now it's time for Lee's picks. Is it? It is. Yeah. Uh, this is where we. So before this conversation, uh, before behind the bet with Sportsbet.io, uh, we asked you three questions, and the Club Talkers have been trying to work out what they've been giving the answers to the questions and see if they can match what you're going to say. And for anybody who gets two out of three right, we'll also win a 0.5-minute Bitcoin free bet. So question number one, which was That's it? Presum- it? Was That's
1: presuming I, I can remember what the question was. <laughs>
0: Well, I did one of these with Gaza and he changed answers from what he gave us beforehand to what I always changed his answer. Anyway, uh, what's your greatest moment wearing an England shirt? Is it the debut versus the Czechoslovakia? The goal versus Republic of Ireland? Was that a goal or a known goal? Are you claiming that, Staunton?
1: Um,
0: Final appearance versus France or the 4-0 win versus Turkey in the 92 World Cup qualifiers? Do you want the answer? That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. I hope, I'm from... I hope this match is... <laughs>
1: number one. Oh, it that says the goal three. versus the
0: Republic of Ireland. <clears throat> Did you mean number two there, Mr Dixon?
1: No, oh, it was two, I do remember. Because I was going to
0: put one and then I, rem- I
1: remember that I only got one goal. So how could I leave the one goal out?
0: The 1-1 tie against the Republic of Ireland at Wembley, where you struck yeah, it really? like a dream edge of the box.
1: Well, it was Andy Gray tried to take it off me and say it was an own goal, but it was going in the other corner. So it technically is my goal. And it, it doesn't matter
0: anyway. Just look at the record books. Exactly. 22 appearances for England, one goal. That's all that matters. Yeah, pockets, exactly it. that. Uh, how, many goals, how many goals have you got for England? See? Exactly right. <laughs> if we're not talking FIFA, then the answer is none. So exactly right. Uh, question number two on these picks. Uh, which of your Arsenal club goals is your favourite? The two uh, 2000 against Sheffield Wednesday, 1992 against Chelsea, the 1989 game against Everton, or 1996 versus Newcastle? Number four versus Newcastle. Tell us about it.
1: Well, I spent the whole time, as I usually did, chasing and booting as hard as I could David Ginola all over the pitch. And uh, I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to make him run after me by running all the way to the other end of the pitch for no apparent reason. And I, it just so happens that the ball was over it on the left wing, right, he had the ball. And I thought, come on, and David would, David didn't like that side of the game. So I was running as fast as I could and I could hear him behind going, oh, oh, oh he's got to chase me. And then I just kept running. The next minute I saw the ball come over, righty picked me out. And then it was, oh, what am I going to do with this? And the only thing, I didn't want to hit it. I didn't want to run onto it and volley it because that would have gone anywhere. So I thought, just throw yourself at it and head it. And mm. uh, and it hit the kind of top of my head there and went straight in the top corner. And it was like, it, nobody more surprised than I was. Maybe David Ginola, I, that's the only one. yeah.
0: I, I have to say, I am a massive fan of your goal against Chelsea. Stamford Bridge, where you've curled it in, outside, yeah. that, is, that, is a, that, is a, that is a wonderful goal. I, I, that's that's my personal preference, but you've gone for four, which is absolutely fine. Um, so, if you've got two out of two so far, you're absolutely laughing. Let's get question number three of these picks. Uh, who was your favourite teammate you spent time with off the pitch? Was it David Seaman, Alan Smith, Ian Wright or Dennis Bergkamp?
1: Well, it was my roommate, and I've mentioned him before, David Seaman. Yeah. So, yeah big friend. And we're still, yeah. in fact, he literally just called me before we went on air, and I had to kind of mute him. I was like, I'm trying to keep <laughs> up. So, <I> sending <laughs> <those> <laughs> quick, quick text going, I can't speak right now. I'll call you later. Yeah. So, uh, he, yeah was,
0: he was sensational, wasn't he, David Seaman? He, he's pulled out one of the best saves I've ever seen live because I'm a Sheffield United fan. We're not talking too oh, much about you? that, but the, yeah, I am. Yeah, the, the we'll move on from that. the uh, The FA Cup semi final where he pulled out that save at Old Trafford is just one of the greatest saves ever, and that completely two, broke my was heart. That two, was that two thousand and two? Might have been. It wasn't the nineteen ninety seven game where it got called off and no, had to be replayed at Highbury. Two thousand and
1: three
0: it was because it. Yeah, actually, it was yes. After,
1: after I retired, because I was watching yeah. it on the TV, and I texted him after the game. I went, "What are you doing? Get older. Because my dad's my dad was a goalkeeper, and he played for Man City in the fifties, and yes. didn't play in the first team. But Bert Troutman was his hero, and he was understudy to Bert. And Bert always used to say to him when he made the same. He, he always say he always used to go, "Get old of it," and it's like. <laughs> And I sent David text as well. And I said, get hold of it.
0: And he was like, You're kidding me. It's like uh, there oh, is so much about yeah, about your career in your life that I've not spoken about, and one of them would have been your dad, Roy Dixon, who was the, the, the goalkeeper at Man City behind the legend that is Bert Troutman. I mean that that that's that's you know that's that's a proper claim right there, Bert Troutman. Yeah um what a legend of the game uh so there you are the three questions for lee's pick before we get to the charity back can we just see some people who have won the 0.5 millibit free back and they'd be flashed up uh there we are uh, now these are only some of the selections there are many more so if you did get two out of three right or three out of three as Mwenda did uh, then you have won a 0.5 million bitcoin free bet, so well done. Uh, Goffs is in there, fretless, uh, yyj. There you are, yyj, ren 97. Okay, okay. Yeah, Viperius in there as well. So well done. You have won a 0.5 million bitcoin free bet. If you got two out of three, right? Uh, congratulations, right? Let's move on to the final section of Behind the Bet, really, Dixon at sportsbet.io. Uh, behind the cause. Now this is where we're going to offer you five hundred euros to put on any bet, and we're going to choose, of course, uh, the uh, Arsenal-Man uh, City game, uh, which is coming up this weekend. Um, now, first things first, um, we'll talk about the charity of, of if, if you know we'll put five hundred pound on the bet. If it lands, we'll we'll give the money to uh, the the charity donation of your choice, but also the five hundred euros will go to anyway, regardless of if the bet lands, but. Tell me more about the York Dance Project and how you became involved in this.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, my wife's uh, dance company has a, a charitable arm to one side that that invests in uh, in young people really in deprived areas, specifically around London. Um, so they do a lot of uh, workshops going into schools, um, and it's based around uh, bullying in schools and how to get uh the kids talking about that and also with the aid of movement with dance just bringing them into a different uh environment in order for them to be able to express their feelings and all that lot so it's very much geared around mental health and uh it's some brilliant work that they've been doing and we try to support them we we try to raise a few quid here and there around uh around the year and this would be you know for a charity of that that size, you know, any anything helps, and uh, to to put these workshops on obviously costs money, so that's what we're trying to do, and um it's uh, obviously a, a charity very close to my heart, with it being with it being my wife that's involved in it. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, my my girlfriend is a massive fan of yours as well, because you're also the ambassador for the Wild at Heart Foundation, which is reducing yeah. the amount of stray dogs as well. So she's. Uh... Well, I've got one down here. So. <laughs> one of those who's, dogs who's, down here. Who's been wonderfully quiet all the way through this so Crazy. brilliant i i i doth my cat to the owner on that one for training the dog <laughs> so well so we're gonna so we i don't know what your bet is going to be so we'll have a very quick couple of minute Do conversation I. uh about arsenal against manchester city and the bet that you think you were going to put the 500 euros on so talk to me about arsenal against man city and your thoughts on that and we'll, we'll kind of forge your bet out of it
1: yeah that's well what i'm thinking because i you know I, I probably need a bit of help with this because I've, I've got this money obviously now and it's like how do I put it on without risking too much of it and gaining the because it's easy to say oh man city are going to win 5 nil correct score and that would be an amazing bet but the chances of that happening uh, uh, I don't think that's going to happen so it's trying to find a bet that would encompass a little bit of a of um of a, a bit of jeopardy but not too much because I want I want yeah. I, you know, I'd love to, I think, I don't know whether there's a both teams score bet or something. I think there'll be, I think there'll be goals either end. Um I don't know whether well, that's something. We can... both,
0: would you know that both teams to score between these two sides, I'm slipping into work mode now on Clubhouse Radio, but both yeah. teams to score has only landed in one of the last seven games between these two sides. Well, there you and go. And that was in the League Cup, that wasn't even in the Premier League. That's only landed so... once, right? In the League Cup, in the Premier League recently, Man City have won 5 0 last time out. They won 1 0 at Arsenal, 1 0 yeah, at home to Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal beat Man City 2 0 in the FA Cup, but generally in the Premier League, Man City have won 3 0, 3 0, 1 0, 1 0, and 5 0. So Arsenal have not scored against Manchester City in the last five Premier League meetings.
1: It just doesn't feel right to bet against Arsenal. That's the thing. Yeah. But actually, I'm going to go this is, but...
0: part, Go on. Well, this is a different Arsenal side under a different manager at home. They're full of confidence, they've got young boys. They, you know, I I I think if both teams score, it's going to score is gonna land, it's more likely to be in this game than any we've had previously. There you go.
1: You've just convinced me that's what I'm gonna go for. So is it just both teams to score? Y- yes. Then I don't have to <laughs> then I don't have to bet against my beloved Arsenal by saying that's fine. Four, four one Man City. <laughs>
0: So that's it. Simple. It's about 1.6. So it's, you know, it could be a nice tiny amount if it uh, if it lands to go to the York Dance Project. So there you go. It's the both teams to score between Arsenal and Manchester City. Uh, we'll watch that uh, with uh, extra interest to see if your bet lands. Uh, there's so much more I could have talked to you about. Uh, as I said, yeah, your dad uh, and, and Bert Troutman in your association with Manchester City and yeah. uh, being from Manchester. I've not even spoke about I said at the start of this that one of my favorite footballers I've ever seen live is Dennis Bergkamp, and you played alongside yeah. him. Dennis Bergkamp was just, uh, it, you know, and you forget that it was a Bruce Rio signing, It wasn't an Arsene Wenger signing, It was a Bruce Rio signing, no, was and, and David, Arsene
1: Wenger himself. It was a David Dean signing, really.
0: Well, he was, yeah, but also, you know, what what it was like when you were there when Arsene Wenger came in, because yeah. if there's ever if ever one person has left a, a lasting imprint, you know, didn't just revolutionise football on the pitch, but also off the pitch. Arsene yeah. Wenger, knew you were there when he walked in. Absolutely, well, you will have to have me back then, won't you? We'll have to have a round two, won't we, of uh, behind the bet with uh, with with Lee Dixon? Uh, I thank you for your time, I really do, and I wish you all the best for the new year as well. How are you bringing in the new year?
1: Um, well, there'll be there'll be a dog involved somewhere. It'll be, we'll be <laughs> go for a late walk in the afternoon, and then I don't think we'll be, I don't think we're going crazy. I've got the obviously Arsenal Man City game New Year's Day. And then on the second, I've got uh, where mate? Second, Chelsea, Liverpool, isn't it? On the second, yeah, oh, something like that.
0: So that's quite a great missed... way to start the year. <laughs> <laughs> quite, I'm
1: it? very lucky. I mean, I've got the best job in the world, apart from your job, obviously.
0: Exactly right. Well, if, if if that was only true, I've got the second best. You've definitely got the best. Absolutely. Yeah. At Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I really do. Thank you for your time on this uh, behind the bet end of year special at Sportsbed.io, and I wish you all the best. Take care. Pleasure.